welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire episode 192, eight away from episode 200. I, you know, I talk about it a lot. I just can't believe it. We're going to do something really fun for episode 200. We're already talking about it behind the scenes. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll announce that later, but that was just a little teaser for you guys just to kind of whet the appetite a little bit. Um, an exciting thing about our podcast. So we've been doing teaching series. We've done some with several amazing guests, um, but to lighten the load on Mariah, because she was in the process of uh, transferring over a bunch of other things as well. We said, hey, don't do the teaching series, but I'll announce this at a further date of when we're actually going to do this, but we're actually going to be uploading the teaching series into audio form uh, and we'll bundle those up nicely so they're easy to spot in there. Um, we'll go over further details on that later. I um, mean, we'll be dropping those probably every couple of weeks, sometime around the weekend. But I'll let you know when the new one is going to drop and we'll kind of announce it several times. But that's really exciting because my guest today even did a teaching series on dreams. And so um, we're we're getting a lot of traction in the podcast arena. And I want to provide that resource for them as well, those teaching series. Uh, they're amazing, uh, really valuable resources, especially as people are getting awakened to deeper things. We're getting some new believers on here. Um, and a lot of these are teachings that I wish I had when I first became a believer. So um, really, really great resources. And we just want to provide those for the people in the podcast arena as well. The people that are listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, so if you're listening on Spotify right now, and you aren't following us there yet at Elijah Fire Podcast, go ahead and follow us. That'll really help us out. Um, also, anytime you guys donate uh, uh, to ElijahFire.com slash donate, all proceeds go towards keeping this thing free at five days a week. There's a lot of moving parts um, that people don't see. Um, and so we really appreciate those donations. But one thing we're also doing, and this is God bless Steve Schultz. This is something he really spearheaded is we take a portion of every single donation and we're funneling it into our partnership with Show Mercy International. Um, and they're digging a new freshwater well every three days. So we're going to play a quick update video and then we're going to get going. Thank you again, you guys, for your donations, your generosity. Uh, because of your guys' donations, we're able to completely transform these communities. And you guys are 100 um, percent the reason that that's happening. So God bless you guys. OK. I'm really excited about today's episode. You guys have met Cindy McGill, but you've never met her husband. And when we reached out to Cindy McGill, we we're like, hey, we want to have you back on Elijah Fire. She was like, yeah, but can my husband come? And we were like, what? Yes. So uh, these guys are dreamers. They're teachers, really, really gifted teachers. Um, and they're also people I consider generals in the faith. And I have so much respect for these two. So let's give it up for my guests today, Tim and Cindy McGill. Welcome to the show, hey. Tim and Cindy. <laughs> hey, so I get excited and then I just trip over my words because I, yeah, I'm just really excited about you. We were talking backstage and man, this is going to be a great show. I'm really excited. Yeah, so. it's great. I'm glad to be back. Of yeah. course, uh, never know what's coming out of my mouth. So yeah, <laughs> but that's what we love, Cindy. We love that about you. So, so I brought my anchor, Tim. Yeah, um, he's got so many more things to say, and you haven't heard from him, so no, you're gonna be excited to hear what 
what God's given him. Yeah, absolutely. So people, you know, if people have been following the Elijah list or Elijah streams for a while, they people, some people might be acquainted with both of you, but there are a lot of new people uh, who know Cindy, but they don't know you, Tim. So why don't you tell a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, all of that stuff, and then we will dig into the meat of this episode. Well, let me say it's an honor to be on with you guys. We uh, we look forward to events like this yeah. in order to be able to communicate and not have to do a lot of posturing in order to get a message out. You know, it's just yeah. been in so many places where um, some of the things that we had to share were just a hard sell. Yeah. And there is a, a, a demographic coming up that is just they're experiencing a lot because that is a focal point of God's activity. God is pouring out a spirit upon our sons and our daughters. Come on. And I'm very well and very much aware of uh, that dynamic that is taking place. I mean, it's uh, so we we look forward to it. Um, this has probably been about maybe seven, eight years ago. It's been a while. But I was uh, every Sunday night, I would do kind of like it wasn't. It was along the lines of Calvary Chapel, but filled with the Holy Ghost. All right. And we would um, we would I would take just a book in the Bible and like Hebrews or some of these foundational books. And with uh, probably 15 plus uh, younger people, they were anywhere from high school up to maybe 30 years old. We just began to walk them through truth and and break it down for them. So they have a foundational understanding of the historic Christianity mm, I love that. during the middle of all this stuff. And I saw the benefits of it. <clears throat> all right. Because um, change was happening in their life. As truth goes forth, it, there is a quality to it that um, transforms our personalities and all kinds of things. So anyway, it was during that period of time, I was pondering the future and what it looked like because um, we were just, uh, we were, I'm not going to say frustrated, but we just kind of felt like we had hit a, a brick wall in our ministry. And so I was praying and I felt like the Lord told me, <clears throat> I didn't hear a voice. It's almost like he superimposed his thoughts over mine. Hmm. He said, I've called you to seed the next generation. And so it all began to make sense because not too long after that, I was uh, invited up to youth with a mission. Okay. And we're going I was going to sit down and we were going to spend a couple of days with a handful of uh, young couples who were in the process of being groomed for leadership in uh, youth with a mission. And they would take, um, they would take teams all over the world. Mm -hmm. So I was a YWAMer. Did you know, oh, you you know that? Yeah. My, that's how my wife and I met. That's we were awesome. YWAMers. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm sitting down with, with, uh, probably, I think the day I was there was maybe six couples, and most of them had master's degrees in something, and I had my two-year associate's degree from Christ for the Nations. So I'm I'm sitting and I'm communicating with people who are so intelligent and and on and so committed to the Great Commission, and so I started talking to them, and I I was talking to you about the first Great Awakening and the second Great Awakening. And pretty soon, one of them lift, put up their hand and said, can we ask a question? I said, yeah, this is, you know, this is not a monologue here. And uh, she said, um, what's the first great awakening and what's the second great awakening? So here they were being groomed for leadership. 
and there was there was not a working knowledge of how and what we enjoy as Christianity now came into being. So that kind of set a fire underneath me to make sure it's like um, uh, Psalm says that the responsibility of the of the older saints is to make sure that the generation coming up is fully immersed in the reality of God and his presence and his power, his activity and his purposes. Yeah. All right. So all of those things play a part. So anyway, that was, so everything began to progressively shift as far as our priority and what we were looking at. And so I've been, now we've been, I can't tell you how many nations and, and different places we've been most recently. Okay. I was in Ukraine and Spain and Poland. We were, I was in Ukraine probably, I want to say maybe three weeks, four weeks before the war broke out. And we were um, working with churches and uh, in and around Poltava and some of these other cities and, uh, and the spiritual hunger that was there was was challenging. I mean, the questions that they were asking were not surface questions. They were really, really seeking something that was that would take them further in their encounter with God and make them more fruitful in in their ministry or just in their daily life. And so, but I could sum it up in one word. One one young lady, she was a uh, she was a family doctor. All right. She said, can you please tell me about the anointing? So <clears throat> they, you know, people, there's a hunger out there in, uh, in the generation coming up. They want to understand and know in a tangible way the reality of all that Jesus went to the cross to provide yeah, for us. And, and what does it really mean to, uh, to connect with the Holy Spirit and be a vessel uh, of his uh, his power. So yeah, that was, that's really been the kind of at the forefront. So we're, we're looking not exclusively, but doing a lot of foundation stuff, depending on the group that we're with, but also trying to cast vision for where we believe that God has taken the church. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's something that I really love about both of you guys is you, it, it's, it's evident if anybody watches you guys for very long, you f there's a great conviction with inside of you guys to uh, to really invest in the younger generations. And as a result, a lot of times, like we just we see we feel seen and we feel heard, you know, because it's like a lot of a lot of people in my generation and younger, they they do want that knowledge. They do want to glean. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, we can feel like we aren't seen. And we aren't heard. And I think both of you guys do a great job. And obviously, Cindy, you know, you you go out and, and people that aren't even believers that are part of my generation, you know, that you're going and, and connecting with and, and drawing them back to the, the father. And, um, and so that's something I, I think is just absolutely evident in both of you guys. Um, but Tim, do you, do you ever go out with her and do stuff? Uh, you've no. uh, yes. Uh, but I don't go into like, I've never been to burning man. It's mm -hmm. not that I had a problem with it. It's just, I felt like the Lord said that's, yeah. It's not the sphere of your placement, you know, and so, um, and it, and it costs a lot of money to get somebody out there for a week. Really? And, yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's, super it's expensive. Expensive. And yeah. so I just felt that, uh, the money they would spend on getting me out there would be much better spent on someone who is a 
passionate evangelist yeah, and able to really connect. So yeah. I, I'd be out there like doing Bible studies, and I just don't think that's appropriate for that group. Yeah, no. We get shut down. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like we like you, but that guy over there, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, total, he's, he's a total buzzkill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, get I get that. Yeah, yeah, so you, you, you've gone. Go, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you've gone to like, I know, because I think I've heard like a story or two, you've gone to some of the porn conventions with Cindy, right? No? No. 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 I've never been. But oh, okay, well. the outreaches that I did were local. They would yeah. be like at the New Age bookstore and um, various places that we did around the city. And, and so, Sundance. Sundance film. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So any, as long as they had their clothes on, I was pretty comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a special, special kind of person, I guess. But um, okay, so you you've had a couple of prophetic dreams that have come to pass. I know that both of you, obviously, Cindy talks a lot about dreams, but you yeah. have dreams as well. And so I'm really excited for you to share these with people because I think sometimes we can hear a prophetic dream and it's like, oh wow, that's really cool. But then, you know, it could be decades before it comes to pass, or no one yeah. ever tracks with it long enough to see it come to pass. So I'm really excited for you to share that. Okay, so let's launch out in that. Um, I want to give you just a brief history because I have a tendency to get lost in details because it's so, um, I mean, it's like the moment I start talking about it, I can see everything in vivid detail. Yeah. Right, so <clears throat> I'm going to reel myself in. And uh, so um, <clears throat> a lot of what we're experiencing right now or what we're walking in was a result. It was kind of like a, a process, all right? And, uh, and it started in Oregon, really, where it had its genesis for us. And uh, we were in a smaller community that had been rocked uh, financially because of some of the policies of the Clinton-Gore administration, where they shut down the, uh, the forest to logging in two counties in Oregon because of white spotted owl. Well, anyway, anybody who remembers back that far will know what I'm talking about. So um, overnight, 70 mills, that would be timber-related mills in that area, were put out of business. And wow. these, and, uh, and family businesses, we call them JIPO loggers. <clears throat> I logged for a while when I was a kid, uh, just out of high school. But um, these these were three and four generations, you know, that overnight they were, they were done. They were over and handed a uh, certificate to go to the local <clears throat> community college. So there was about 11% unemployment, drugs, alcohol, just everything that goes along with events like that. Oh yeah. So Very big time. Yeah. Middle of all of that. So um, we, uh, because of the palpable need that was around us, we just thought, you know, there's no way, that you know, just offering information or great programs or any of this kind of stuff is going to pull any of these people in because they are their lives have been so upended and shattered. So we were like, <clears throat> we got to we got to find out from God how you know what His strategy is for yeah. for our region. So I I just uh, initiated a, a one step program. And I talked with, uh, I've talked about this over the years because uh, of its impact on us, but the, it was a very simple program. It was just, we're going to get together and we're going to pray until something happens. And I said, that's, that's our new program. 
So we we scratched everything. Push for on. those who didn't get that. The acronym is push. Yes. Pray until something happens. Yeah. Pray until something happens. Yeah. And um, and people showed up, and um, it wasn't a lot of people, but uh, and I was a little frustrated because you know initially people were excited, but then you know, it becomes labor intensive after a while. I mean, it's, it's monotonous. It's, you know, you're showing up every weekend. We, we would meet on Friday nights, I think Friday or Saturday. And uh, I mean, week after week after week. And we, we really didn't see anything. There wasn't any, it was just, we enjoyed the, the time, but it was just what we were looking for wasn't there. And then, um, everything began to shift uh, Cindy in the middle of one of our services got up and said, God just spoke to me. This was at the second week in December. All right. Just before Christmas, God just spoke to me and we're turning the corner and we're coming into a visitation of God and everybody in the church, you know, turned around and looked at her like, yeah, we've heard that before. And, uh, so, and I was leading the pack. So anyway, uh, and I just, so much faith. Yeah. So much faith. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, but January, okay, this Christmas came and went January. She called me up and she said, um, you need to come home and you need to listen to this guy. She'd gotten uh, uh, one of those. Uh, they were, VCR. It's a tape, you know, yeah. like the. VCR, you know, like yeah. a VHS tape. Yeah, yeah, there, there we go. go. Nice. Whatever. Yeah. One of those old ones. Oh yeah. All right. So that's what they had. So she got a VHS from Morningstar, and it had a prophetic guy on there. She said, uh, and his name was Bobby Connor, okay. and he was from Bullard, Texas. And she said, "You need to come home and listen to what he's saying." Well, by that time, I, you know, people had shoved so many books in my face and so many tapes and all this stuff. I, I was a little indifferent. Yeah. So, uh, but I thought, well, I got to eat lunch. So, yeah. <laughs> so I left my office and came home and she put yeah. it in there. And just like I thought, you know, here's some redneck uh, Texan up there and he's just flitting out verses, you know, yeah. one after another. Uh-huh. That sounds Not like Bob Gunner, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm the kind of guy I like things to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. And those three are well-defined. Yeah. All right. And he's just, and then he mentioned a verse. And doesn't it say in Psalms 92 and verse 10 that God is going to anoint you with fresh oil and exalt your strength like that of a wild ox? When he said that, it hit my heart. Oh, it bypassed wow. my mind and hit my heart. And I knew instantaneously what was going on. He was ministering to a group of people there, and and the Spirit of God was making application to the ones that it was for. So that that seemed to set some things in motion because in the, in the spring of that year, I had one, and we we continued our push. All right, this is happening every weekend, and so that was January. Then in the spring of the year. Um, uh, I had a dream, and in this dream, um, I, I it was like I was in Dallas, Texas, at the Hilton Hotel downtown uh, Dallas, Texas, and and uh, I was in the foyer there, and a prophet by the name of Paul Payne came up to me and said, um, "Come up to my room. I have a word for you." And I would the only 
thing I knew about Paul Kane was that he was in Charisma magazine and he, I think he was out of Kansas city and that was about it. Hmm. And uh, so I followed him up to his room and I'm, I'm getting a little nervous because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I got up there and he said, the Lord has a word for you. And so I thought, well, this, you know, this is kind of official. So I probably should get on my knees. That would be appropriate. posture. <laughs> so I got down on my knees and he began to declare and speak. The Lord is changing your name this day to Ephraim. And, and when he said that, he stuck his, his index finger into my chest or into my rib cage on the right side. I mean, it was like, uh, he put pressure on it while he was prophesying and, mm. uh, and came out of the experience. Well, that was on a Saturday night. I was getting ready for Sunday morning, and I'm thinking, what is that all about? Well, wait a second, because yeah. when he woke up, he still felt it. Like he felt the finger yeah. still in his ribcage. Like he could feel where it had made an impact. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, there, I mean, there was still residual uh, kind of evidence that this this just wasn't I shouldn't have eaten that last night. Yeah, you were marked, bro. You yeah. were marked. Yeah. Right. And uh, so I got up and I thought, Ephraim, my name has changed to Ephraim. I knew Ephraim was another name for Israel. This is just my reasoning. Okay, okay. It's another name for Israel. Israel's God's servant. So I guess God is just reaffirming my position as the head servant here. <laughs> and uh, but then I, I took it a couple steps further. I said, I wonder what the name means. So I looked up the name and it literally means double fruit. And when Joseph had Ephraim, he declared, the Lord has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Hmm. And and so this was like the beginning. Not too long after that, Cindy was in the doc of the small clinic that was in uh, Reeseport where we live. And uh, <clears throat> she was uh, uh, reading a Time magazine, waiting for the doc to come into the room. Our daughter had ear infection, oldest daughter. And um, she said, all of a sudden, uh, it felt like a breakdown in reverse. You know, instead of crying, she <laughs> something started welling up on the inside of her. And she started laughing hysterically <laughs> and uncontrollably in the wow. clinic. Right. <laughs> anybody who's ever grown up in a small town knows that gossip will work for you oh yeah like cindy's it's, lost it it's gonna work <laughs> right so she's laughing screaming mm -hmm. shaking the time magazine mascara running my oldest daughter is like cindy was laughing so hard she slipped out of the chair <laughs> out of the chair halfway underneath the exam table feet on you know just one of those screaming Mass Haley is like, Mom, get up. Oh, I love it. Mom, it's like the ultimate up. way to embarrass your kid, too. Yeah. 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 She said, I'm never going to get a date in this town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, 14 years old. Yeah. So, oh, um, and then uh, I, got, I got the phone call actually from Haley. She said, uh, Dad, you need to talk to Mom. I said, well, I plan on it. What specifically are we talking about here? She weirded out in the doctor's office. No. What do you mean, weirded out? She weirded out. Oh, oh. So anyway, I finally, I got Cindy on the phone. I said, what happened? She just is the most powerful. She said, I just felt layers of heaviness and stuff that I, you know, that we had carried because of our ministry assignments and just uh, 
impact of you know dealing with broken people, just all the things that ministry includes. And and that one moment, all right, God chose that particular moment. She's reading a Time magazine, which is almost like a prophetic thing right there, because yeah. there are times and seasons of refreshing coming from the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, and um, it took place in a doctor's office. And uh, what does it say? Proverbs, merry heart is good like a medicine. Mm-hmm. So it's like God chose that setting to administer his medicine, which was a joyful heart. And everything began to shift at that point. Yeah. And so um, that was probably, uh, I want to say maybe April, somewhere in there. And then fast forward to August of that same year, uh, uh, one of the guys from our organization had been out to Toronto and I, we heard that he had just been, he and an assembly of God pastor had just been radically impacted. His name was Steve Richards. And, um, and Steve was going to be down in the Southern part of the Oregon coast there uh, just talking about his encounter. So I grabbed everybody that I could that would, and we went down to the meetings and the power of God fell in that room. And it was primarily on the kids. It started out with the kids, the kids, and they were doing stuff that you you couldn't pay them to do. Hmm. All right, I mean, hysterically speaking in tongues. I oh. mean, just uh, the whole thing. So I began to understand that um, God has a fairly simple process in place for us to connect with heaven and heaven's resources. And Jesus was was emphatic. All right that his house would be defined as a house of prayer. Hmm. And so I think there are times where God emphasizes certain truths because they play a significant and important part in his, um, his eternal purposes that are playing out at that time. And so um, I think it's Joel, I'm not entirely sure, but it says in, in, and this is paraphrased, but basically what it means is that in the time of rain, okay, in the season of rain, pray for rain. And uh, so I just, I felt like that this was something that was a season and that if we would, we would align ourselves and pursue it with all of our hearts, that there would be a tangible response. And there was. The power of God began to pour out on our small church out there in the middle of nowhere. I mean, yeah, and no internet, no cell phones. We didn't know anything about Toronto. In fact, somebody said, This is Toronto. And we said, We don't know what that is. We know Toronto's in Canada, but we had no idea there was anything happening. Wow. um, So we really, this was all word of mouth. And because um, we were in the middle of it and we had no, we didn't have anything even to look up to find out. Has anyone else experienced this? Like, has this happened before somewhere else or um, stuff like that? Because everyone that was being impacted were laughing two and three hours. Like you can't make yourself do that. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it was called the renewal movement. It renewed Mm -hmm. you. And I remember Steve Richards, the guy he's talking about said, he made a statement and he said, the drier the wood, the bigger the fire. Yeah, that's good. I kind of think that's happening now. Oh, I think like, you know, everybody's been just beat up with COVID, with 
restrictions and mm-hmm. in, bad information, wrong information, good yeah. information, and people lost loved ones and they've been through the ringer. I mean, it has been a hard few years yeah, and I feel that um, it's basically going to, it, it, what it's doing is, is it's setting the stage for something even more dramatic to mm. take place. And so, um, yeah. when, and this was in the nineties. So when we were, Tim was having these dreams, we had the same dream one night and I had gone to a meeting with Larry, uh, where Larry Randolph was in Oregon. And he goes, he stopped the meeting. He's a good Bobby and Larry are good friends now. You know, we didn't know them really back then. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, I, he said, I see angels over you and your husband uh, at night when you're sleeping. He said, it's like they're giving you night deposits. Wow. And we were, we were getting these ridiculously specific dreams and the, the presence of God um, and angels were like in the room when we woke up. Wow. So that's the kind wow. of like we knew it was a God dream. We yeah. knew like this isn't I mean, we were we were as shocked as everyone else, you know. Yeah. Have you guys had multi is that the only time you guys have had the same dream, or has that happened a couple of times for you guys? No. I've never had that happen with my wife. Yeah, no, no, and it wasn't like I mean de- detail for detail, but <clears throat> the but the same kind of like yeah, yeah. yeah. same message mm-hmm. basically wow. just a kind of different snapshot. But um, and so that's when everything began to happen. For some reason, um, God highlighted and chose to um, awaken dreams on the inside of me. So I started having all these dreams, and, and we would get up in the morning and compare notes, and I and I'd run my dreams by Cindy and. We decide, is that God or is that pizza? Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Well, and it just wasn't us. Yeah. Um, everybody that seemed to be impacted by this movement was having dreams too. And the awesome manifestation was uh, gold was falling. It was like rain. It, it was mist. It was a fine mist of gold. And it was always on us all the time. And uh, I thought it was only happened for about nine months, but it literally was two and a half years. Wow. And so you couldn't scrub it off your skin. Like it was there and, it, and you get in the shower and you get out, it's still on your skin. Like wow. the gold was there. I was having angel visits like like seeing you, like seeing Tim. I mean, it was that vivid. And um, they were chasing me up and down the hall of my house. I mean, it was weird, right? But God was just on it and doing doing things. So, and and I'm telling you that because I think that with this outpouring that we're getting ready to see, we've just barely, barely started to see something. But with this, it's going to be all kinds of what is that? Mm. And what on earth? And the angels are starting to show up. We're we're already experiencing angelic um, stuff happening. Um, And it's just the start. So, but there's that one dream. Um, You had a couple of them. One, he was like under a pickup truck or something. Oh, yeah. And okay. okay, I was. uh, Because that was really good. Right. I had a, uh, it was like a 1972 Ford pickup, um, okay. and 
I, I think my dad had one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was sort saved yeah. in 72. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was underneath. And it's a work vehicle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was underneath or I was, uh, had taken it to the, to get some work done. So that it was done and it was sitting out in the parking lot. And so I went around the, uh, the service station there and there it was. And I got out in the parking lot and, uh, had the keys in my hand. I was going to get into it. And I looked up for some reason. It, uh, it was dusk and the, and the sun had set. And overhead was this huge, it looked like a massive planet that was probably maybe, it, it was so large, it looked like it was so close that, you know, um, I mean, I could see detail on it. Wow. And I thought, Dude. oh my gosh. I'm thinking, okay, my, my, brain kicks in the amount of gravity that is on the inside things are going to start so i thought that you could jump and then you'd be on the other the other planet yeah so i thought so i dove underneath my truck i thought that would you know at least some kind of when i did there was like this whole uh it was it was like a small mound of uh I want to say debris or dirt or something like that fell off the plat, uh, off the planet or whatever that heavenly body was fell into the parking lot there in front of me. And it was pulsating with light. And every time it pulsated, it would say, set the captives free. And so this message was repeated, set the captives free, set the captives free, set the captives free. And so that's that's the way God was doing. I mean, he would exaggerate things to such an extent in order to uh, um, to leave an impression of how how important and how valuable this is. All right. So that's you know, that sets some things in motion. I'll share a couple other dreams because um, we stewarded some of these dreams, one of them uh, 25 years. I mean, I. I had this, this was during this season, I had a dream, and uh, basically I was uh, I was a passenger in a kind of a faded blue Mercury Comet. Okay. I don't know if you it's remember this car. car. No, I know the car, yeah. <laughs> they don't make them anymore. <laughs> oh, for very good reason. Yeah. We don't make them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, I was a passenger, and this this aged vehicle pulled into a really posh, nice area. And when we pulled in there, it was a circle. And uh, I just tell from the, you know, from the architecture and the structures, this was a, you know, a upper middle class neighborhood type place. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, my driver got out, opened up my door and I followed him down kind of a grassy hill and he opened the door to a house. And I went into the house, and then he shut the door, got in the car, and took off. And I'm inside this house, and I know intuitively that that this is uh, Doctor Dobson's house. This this was Dobson's house, hmm. and I'm like, and I'm looking around, and it's well appointed. I I could see up the stairs that led right to the kitchen. And then it dawned on me that I'm in somebody's house without their permission. Hmm. That means I'm breaking and entering. So I thought, I'm getting out of here. <clears throat> so I I walked towards the front door. I heard the screen door open and the door pushed open 
and there was standing Pat Robertson. Oh, wow. Pat Robertson looked at me like, you are so busted, dude. <laughs> and he, he turned and he said, General Pershing, look who I found. And I'm like, <laughs> and, I woke, and I woke up and I'm thinking, I'm in Dobson's house and General, I didn't even know there was a General Pershing. I knew there were Pershing missiles, but that was the extent of my history. And uh, so anyway, so this is how long? All right, so it's 95. 95. 1995. I, I held on to this thing wondering what could that possibly mean? And uh, so um, about 25 years later. You're 2000. Yeah. You're 2001. It's just you're the, oh, no, 2020. Sorry, 2020. I was going to yeah. say, that was only, that only be like five years. Right. Okay. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had another thought in my mind too. So yeah. keep going. Okay. So uh, 2020. All right. Um, we. Oh gosh, it's there's so much involved in this, but um, that's a really loaded dream. Like even just like it's yeah, loaded. We thought it was pizza. Yeah. That's the one that we really did. We thought that's got to be like some kind of food. Yeah. Really. Okay. Yeah. So we we sent it out to Morningstar, and I think the following month Rick Joyner did an article on. Um, a new uh, level of leaders emerging, and the whole thing was on General Pershing. And so, World War One general, for those yes. who don't know, yeah. yeah. And uh, he's the one who basically uh, opened the door to strategic warfare. Um, he ended trench warfare. Ended trench warfare, and in in his in the campaigns that he fought, they would just throw men and resources at the enemy. And, and the volume of people that died needlessly. I mean, most more people died in the foxholes and in the trenches from disease than they did from getting shot. Oh, yeah. So, um, so, I mean, I was, I just, I held on to it. You know, so many of these things we just park and, and figure in God's timing, he would highlight it. And so uh, 2020, um, I have an invitation to come on staff at uh, at a church in Burleson, Texas, called uh, um, Open Door Church, and we connected with that by a prophetic word from some guy from South Africa, you know, and uh, and so here here we are, and they're like, you know, we don't quite know where you fit, but we'd like to have you here, so they they put me on and. Uh, and Larry Randolph was ministering during that period of time, just out of the nowhere. We hadn't seen Larry probably in, in 15 years. And he showed up in Burleson, Texas, at Open Door Church. And I was like, you can't be serious. And so anyway, it was, it was almost like God was saying, this is very important, all right? Because Larry was a part of our, you know, of our introduction into all this stuff. It's like there's there's a whole new phase of this thing kicking in. So Larry was there. I, service was great. We left that day. I and so as I'm pulling away from the church, I noticed the sign and it said Dobson Street. Okay. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I drove up probably block and a half, two blocks from the church, and there was a place called the Dobson House. No way, dude. I'm That's serious. crazy. 25 years 25 later. Five 
crazy. Okay. So I, I sat down with Troy because he, he wanted to hear Troy about Burr's it. the pastor yeah. of Open Door Church. Troy oh, Burr. okay. Right. And uh, and told him. And so this was January. And we were talking and I told him about the dream. He said, well, you, you know. Were, wait a second. What? He was, you, we went to Miami to meet them. And so Troy and Tim are sitting on the balcony overlooking the ocean when he's telling him this dream. Right. And so it's at night. I mean, it's probably 10, 11 o'clock at night. And we got in a little bit late, Cindy and I. And uh, so we're sitting out there. He wants to hear it. So I told him about the Mercury Comet. You know, Mercury Comet. And he said, do you know this is the month of Mercury? It's the year of Mercury. year of Mercury. Yeah. He said, this is the year of Mercury. I said, no way. He said, wow. yeah. And the moment he said that, a comet, it could have been a shooting star, but I've never seen a shooting star move that slow. I mm. mean, slowly moved across the horizon. And it was so, um, like, highlighted. I mean, we both stopped mid-sentence. So it was almost like God had set the stage, all right, for this whole event. Because God was saying, this is a time where all these prophetic things, I gave you insight into future events. Jesus said, you're not going to walk in darkness. You're going to walk in light. He said, I'm going to disclose and show you things to come. So all of this was put in motion by a small handful of people who were absolutely dedicated Mm -hmm. and persistent to see God's presence show up. Um, James says, the fervent, effectual prayers of righteous men and women make much power available, mighty in its working. So it's a simple process. Okay. Now, I I want you to tell him the other one. Which one? um, About... He, he was having a series of dreams mm. about uh, architecture. Okay. Yeah. Well, really quick before you get yeah. going, Tim, do you were you writing these dreams down or were you just communicating them out loud and then there were just dreams that kind of just stuck with you? Oh, listen, what, that's one of the keynotes of, of a dream that's from God. I, I can remember these things in detail. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to write a book, you know, this year and begin to chronicle some of this stuff because so much of it has application for where we're at right now, especially the, the, the one I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. um, It was, uh, um, I had a series, I think over, I don't think it was in one night. It might've been a couple of nights, but um, I had four dreams. And in these dreams, uh, the only thing that connected the dreams was something was always taking place in a house. Okay. okay. All right. And the first dream, it's my house. All right. And some young guys from the church are trying to sell me windows. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm listening to them and they are, you know, uh, they're salesmen slash con men. Okay. Everything they were saying to me, was absolutely true, but you know, it's it's kind of like a subtle form of manipulation. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get me to sign on the dotted line. And so I'm I was very patient with them and just and and I looked up from them and across the street, probably two doors down, I noticed it looked like a big lady uh, knocking on the neighbor's door. And um, I saw the front door open. And then this big lady turned and looked at me, and it was like a dude. It was a guy, 
and he was he was like dressed like an old woman and i'm like oh my god you know there goes the neighborhood sounds on brand for today i'm just saying yeah. <laughs> this is doubtfire yes yeah kind of like that yeah uh, then the next i mean then the next dream that happened all right i was at uh some friend's house it was uh sunday afternoon it was after church we're just hanging out having fellowship eating in the dream in the dream okay, okay. this is in the dream and uh and the kitchen is separated from the living room just by a credenza of some sort. It was just like a kind of like a dividing place. And uh, so I got up and I was just glancing across this credenza and I noticed that there was an odd looking document. And I picked the document up and in the dream, I knew immediately that this was witchcraft. And okay. so I was, and I'm looking around and people are oblivious to it. You know, they, just, they don't they don't realize what it is. So I took it outside and I was angry. I mean, I was furious. And I took this thing outside. I lit it on fire. And a member of the worship team walked up and said, Pastor Tim, what are you doing? And I and I said, Pam, this this is witchcraft. Bam. Okay. Went out of that dream, went into another one where I was in a house and water was cascading down through the streets through the house it was just like running everywhere and then i <clears throat> i came out and i woke up so i told cindy about it and they were i mean it was so weird i thought does this really have application so probably i want to say uh maybe within three weeks maybe a month we we had our staff prayer meeting on tuesday and so we were at the our prayer meeting on Tuesday, and we're we're praying about various things. The furthest thing from my mind were those four dreams, mm -hmm. and the Lord spoke one word into my mind: structure. And then it hit me: that's the only thing that knit these things together is that there was something going on in the structure and each of these structures that had application for you know, for us. So mm -hmm. for the first one, what this is what I felt at the time. It was almost like, you know, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. So the first set of guys that were, uh, were there, they were, they were speaking the truth, but they weren't motivated. Okay. By love. Yeah. All right. The second one, you had a two faced person. You had somebody who pushed themselves into somebody's doorway, you know, and, and they weren't authentic. They, you know, they were misrepresenting who they really were. All right. And, and to me, okay, I could be really wrong here, but I, I'm just looking at people who do everything they can to, you know, to develop their brand of, you know, who they are and, and what their mm -hmm. shtick is and, yeah. and what's going to make them stand out from everybody else. But is that really authentic? Is that really who they are? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the third one, uh, you know, Witchcraft. Yeah. Uh, we both. Said. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it was just witchcraft had become so commonplace within that the church. That it was not recognizable. That, that, yeah, that, that was my conclusion to that one too. And, yeah. Uh, basically, I just, I felt like it was manipulation, is that sometimes in order for us to get a certain kind of response, you know, we felt responsible. You know, there was just a, there was like a ways and means committee on how to make things happen. And, and, and from God's vantage point perspective, 
it's witchcraft. Yeah. And so, and then finally, I, you know, the, the water going through the house, I felt like God said, if you'll deal with these three things, you know, then we'll, you'll experience this. So the river, the, mm -hmm. the river that comes out of the house yeah. that will be refreshing for everyone. Mm. So, um, so structure. So I left the prayer meeting, we went home and I'm wondering, is this really God? You know I mean? Like, is this because I didn't hear voices or anything like that. It was just, just like God superimposing his thoughts over mine. Mm -hmm. So I got home and uh, my youngest daughter comes through the door and she said, dad, I bought you a gift. And I was like, oh, you shouldn't have. And she said, I said, what is it, honey? And she pulled a hat out of this bag. And I don't wear hats all that much. So, but I had to act excited, you know, it's like, oh yeah. gosh, thanks. Yeah, your kid buys you a gift, you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. And so she handed me the hat and, and I looked what was written across the top and it was structure. No like, way, man. 15, 20 minutes after our prayer meeting. Well, so, it was a men's clothing store. Yeah. So I went and I, I put the hat, tried to put the hat on my head and it was too small. You know, mm. the hat was too small. And I felt like the Lord said um, that the, that the structure that's in place is too small to contain the head. Mm. Okay. And wow. so <clears throat> then right after that, he took me over to uh, Philippians 2, all right? And he said, in order for the church to contain the head, they're going to have to first contain his mind. And Philippians 2 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, you know, who being equal with God, didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God, but yet he humbled himself. And he says, let nothing be done out of selfish ambition but let everyone esteem one another better than themselves. And I just, I just want to invite you to take a look around at, at church life in general. And is, is this really something I'm sure in pockets and places in different parts of the world, it's a reality, but I mean, as far as something that is, is um, consistent and would be able to identify us um, as believers is, is this really a, a valuable component in, in, in what we're doing as far as church is concerned. And the three things or the four things that um, three, three things that had to be dealt with. I was recently in a meeting where Bobby Connor was just sharing some stuff from the uh, shepherd's rod that he gets every year. Mm -hmm. And he said that God is dealing right now with the church in two areas that I remember him saying, he said, one is contamination and the other one is um, contamination and compromise. Contamination okay. and compromise. And it was like all of the, you know, the structured dream plays into that. Like in order for us, for God to be able to do and bring a visitation and do what he's wanting to do in the church, we have to deal with contamination, which would be witchcraft yeah. and stuff like that. And compromise, which is presenting something that's not real. You know, we uh, the whether it's entertainment or whether it's um, 
you know, the dog and pony show or whatever type thing it is, you know, it's like God's dealing with these things. Now people are coming to terms with the fact that this has been not productive and it cannot contain what God is getting ready to do because he's got to have a pure vessel. And it's funny because I just saw him uh, recently and he said, um, he, I think it was in, on Sid Roth and, and Sid said, so what's going on? He said, God said, I finally found a church or a group of people that they're weak enough. I can move through. <laughs> I loved it. I yeah. Like, that's really good. Right. Yeah. I found a group of people that's weak enough. I can move through. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Well, so, I think too, there's a lot within the church right now. Uh, you know, it's interesting those details within the church specifically even when you mentioned in uh the third one which was witchcraft was so prevalent people didn't even recognize it and there was that subtle manipulation to get a certain response and i've actually seen some people i don't know how good this this movement is okay what i'm about to describe i'm just i just found it interesting that people are talking about this now there's um there are certain people that are going on tiktok and instagram and stuff and they're they used to be worship leaders and or left one church and gone to another and talked about there was a they would fake spontaneous like when the music would swell they were like we planned it we made we planned it to look like it was by accident yeah you know so there's this manipulation of people's right. and they're like all we did was change the octave and it made it in it it stimulate we knew it would it, scientifically it would stimulate your emotions and so um, I think that there's a lot of, you know, that show, uh, the showiness yeah. of church. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people that are desiring to see that stripped away. And Cindy, you even made a joke about it. There was like this famous video going around of this church that was like these drumline people. It was like they're all like cables and all this stuff. And it's it's th- that's the exact thing I'm talking about is, is faking that when it's like, if we can just get out of the way, the Holy Spirit will do what the Holy Spirit does sure. rather than us having to like work it up. So I just thought that was really profound because I started seeing connections even to where we're at right now right. Um, in 2023. And so I want you to share that. So I know that there, we're kind of overloading you with these, but they're so prophetic and they're happening right now. Mm-hmm. So the that one is about uh, where you were out trying to get to water. Okay. And, and so this happened in the, I think this was in 2000 something like early 2000s when he had this dream. So okay. it wasn't in, in uh, we were back in Utah at this time. Okay. So let me just, I'm going to back up a little bit and uh, kind of bring a conclusion about the four houses. But um, the night that I was out praying um, and, uh, and just the reality of, um, of where the church was, because we'd spent, you know, probably 34, 35 years ministering in Utah, you know, between Salt Lake City and Provo and various cities, you know, outreaches and whatnot. And it was just, you know, it was such a long, prolonged period. A lot had happened, no time to go into detail, but it had just been a very difficult season for me personally. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, um, at that time I had uh, four grandkids living at my house and they were like omnipresent. Okay, wow. where I went, there was one. <laughs> the bathroom was was not safe. I mean, oh just, man, oh. <laughs> God bless you, Tim. God yeah, bless you. I, I, I couldn't, no. And uh, 
So the only, my, my prayer closet was out on the streets. So I fit in well with some of the people there in Salt Lake City. It looked like <laughs> I was talking to myself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just another homeless guy out there. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm, I'm walking the streets, praying and interceding. And I, I was kind of coming in for a landing, you know, from one of those walks. And I was just thinking out loud in God's direction. And I said, you know, God, they don't like the church. Hmm. And I felt like God said, they've never seen my church. And I said, well, they don't like Christianity. And he said, they don't like powerless Christianity. And then all of this stuff began to, I mean, just the full weight of it, the, the dream about the house, the structure, and, and things that are important and valuable from God's perspective. It's like, when do we make that a priority? Okay. I know that you know, that justice ministry and, you know, and, and doing things for the poor, you know, it's very obvious from the word of God, we need to be zealous for good work. Sure. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm just wondering, okay, it's like in Hebrews 2.1, Paul says, listen, I'm telling you things that you know, but I'm telling you because I don't want you to let them slip. All right, because that's the subtle temptation is that the things that are very valuable and the things that have Mm -hmm. the greatest substance or catalytic kind of change um, are, if we're not careful and we don't hold on to them and steward it well, they will slip and and other things will become a priority over it. All right, Mm -hmm. I, uh, I had a very good friend of mine who's an incredible musician. He was uh, um, he was with a friend and and they're working in a secular venue, all right? Because he he did worship in the church, but he also did gigs outside. And so he's at it's like a steakhouse, and they're doing like live karaoke, and uh, and it was it was fun and it was funny because you know, anyway, Salt Lake City, and you just have to know the culture. Mm-hmm. So they're they're out there, and but the thing that I saw is that the two of them. Um, they harness computers when computerized, you know, stuff was just getting started. I mean, mm-hmm. and what they were turning out was incredible. I mean, I'm listening to that. And my thought was, I need to get this in the church. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow, you know, because, I mean, it was, it was incredible. So yeah. I'm, I'm leaving the steakhouse and it was just like a flash. Okay. It's almost like the eye of a camera, you know, the shutter. Open it up and closing in, in a split second. But in that split second, an image is cast upon the medium of film, and there's a picture there. It was kind of that kind of an event. It was just like for a brief moment, it seemed like I saw how much God loved his son, Jesus, his boy. And I'm not saying that we're not all sons and daughters, but I'm but let's be honest, all right? There was a there was a connect. I mean, God is so jealous for his boy. All right. Mm-hmm. And and the impression I got is how dare anything come into the church that would detract from him. Mm-hmm. And that was that was a priority. So these are very foundational, but these are the things if we're not careful because of the age that we live in, yeah. these things will slip and we're and we're left with what? Okay, and um, one of the guys who was like a mentor to us said, whatever you do to build a church, that's what you're going to have to do in order to maintain the church. 
And mm-hmm. so when when we lose step with the Spirit of God and we lose sight of, of the importance of Him being involved in what we do, somebody put it this way, when you stop burning oil, you start burning wick, and things go to stinking in a hurry. So mm-hmm. I, I just yeah. wonder sometimes if we're not, um, you know, I have to be very careful because, <clears throat> I mean, I just have limited perspective, but I'm just wondering, you know, if if we shouldn't revisit some of these foundational things that we just assume we know and we may have participated in. It's just because we saw the tangible results. When the power of God shows up, you don't have to tell people that the power of God's there. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Right. Yeah. And and they are they are forever transformed and changed. All right. So um, moving forward. Okay. Okay. Now, hang on, because I want to catch everybody up. Uh, um, so that dream about uh, General Pershing, you know, on Dobson Street, that, that was a timestamp moment. What that means is it, Tim had the dream in 95, but in 2020 is when we begin to realize that we're, God was, he was connecting our timeline. Like we, we, he'd had that dream way back then, but he was showing him a future forecast hmm. of where we are right now. And with the General Pershing, it's those types of leaders. And we found out a little bit more about Pershing. And you can look it up yourself. I mean, it's, you know, um, but he was a, he studied war. Like he didn't go out drinking and partying with all the guys and everything. He was determined to, to understand what it was, what is, what the battle was like and what they were going to be fighting. And because of that, he was able to end trench warfare. And also um, he was taken from a small place. You can, I think San Juan Hill or something. Something like that. Yeah. And was taken over uh, to put over an army of a million. Hmm. So this is kind of where we are. There's these guys. In fact, somebody just referred to them as burnt stones. (laughs) Burnt stones. Burnt you guys are burnt stones. stones. Yeah. That have been kind it's from, of. It's from Nehemiah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that they're yeah. going to be in the wall to build because of the fire and the stuff that we've all been through. Because we, you know, we're from the we're from the Jesus movement. Yeah. So we've been through a lot of these things and watched a lot of stuff go down and uh, a lot of false stuff come up and yeah. So. What I'm saying is right now, I think God is, is going to reveal the general Pershings. They've been hidden. They've been mm-hmm. not seeking any kind of position or any of that. They've just been there. They've been uh, uh, faithful with what they've been given to study and all that and to, to take their position. And now God's getting ready to bring them into a, a place where, in fact, uh, before he shares this dream, I want to tell you the one I just had recently, and it was very quick. It was that God was appointing fathers because this is the fatherless generation. Mm-hmm. He's appointing fathers to young leaders 
in this dream. And I saw him moving like chess pieces on a board, taking people that were fathers, that were mentors, that were mature, that had been through the fire. They'd been through the hard stuff. They'd been through the dark night of the soul. They'd been through all the stuff and they have stability and strength just from all the time has gone by and all the storms they've weathered and how they've been able to do. And he's taking them and, and putting them uh, alongside of a young leader. And the young leader was gaining the wisdom from the father and the, and the father was being taken care of by the young leader. Mm. So he wasn't having to labor anymore. He was literally being provided for by the young leader. And it was an, an exchange. Like the young leaders had the, they've got the strength, they've got the resiliency, they've got all that, but they don't have the history. They don't have the experiences. They don't have the don't do that. This will cause this. Okay. They don't have that. And uh, I know for us, you know, we really weren't mentored. We were in Utah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's, we had to learn it. You're in the minority life. there. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but even, even people we knew that didn't live in Utah and they were mentored, they still ended up, you know, falling or, or getting out of ministry or whatever, mm. you know, kind of thing. And having all kinds of difficulties. So I felt like that um, I want to encourage, I guess, our generation and maybe older than us too. you know, the burnt stones are going to be a fortified strength in the wall that God is building right now in this church. So and I wanted to say that before he shares this last dream, because um, it's so it, it, if you just see how they're woven together. And now they're all, if this is the time, it's the Kairos time for this. Yeah. So, and also uh, don't worry about the density of this episode. Like people can pause it, rewind it. I'm not concerned about that. Okay. I, I care more about getting this stuff out. But the thing I wanted a little bit more clarity on with the general Pershings rising up, and you may have already kind of alluded to this, but I just want to make sure it's concrete. Sure. Are the general Pershings, do you see them as, people who are more uh, like advanced in years or is it just anybody? It, it, could it be a, a 40 year old? Could it be a 30 year old or, or what? Is there a specific targeted age range? Is it, are they part of the boomer generation? I just want a little bit more clarity on that. Here, here's what I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, is that uh, general Pershing was announced by Pat Robertson and I'm in Dobson's house. And so, I mean, all Dobson, Pat Robertson, I mean, they're, they're mass mm -hmm. communicators. Right. Okay. Dobson, his thing was radio. Pat Robertson was television. I just think that. It was focus on the family. Too. Yeah. Focus on the family. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, it, it was, to me, it's almost like a combination of the both, but, but God was raising up ministry and it wasn't so much. Uh, an age demographic okay. as it was an understanding of truth and the ability to um, my feeling was it's not just to steward it, but embody the truth. Okay. That's, mm. you know, it was a value system and it was a level of uh, resolve that had been cultivated through difficult times, you know, through through hiddenness, through obscurity. And I, early on in my ministry, I'd had a word, I was reading through Isaiah, uh, I think 49, 
All right. And in Isaiah 49, um, Isaiah is saying, you know, I've, I've labored in vain. I've spent myself for what? You know, and you, I mean, you can read it there. And, and he's just giving voice to the fact that, you know, that it seemed like all of his efforts and, and all the sacrifice was for what? And then God says in response, is it too small a thing for you to be my servant? That's right. All right. And so um, I think hiddenness, um, I, I just feel like some of these leaders that are getting ready to emerge, um, I just think because of what they've been through, they're, they're like arrows in a quiver. And, and God has uh, an appointed time for them to come out as a weapon, okay? And, and they will move in authority. And because the next uh, dream that I'm getting ready to tell you, this is kind of like a prelude to it, is um, that there's a whole shift, I believe, coming in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. We've, we've known him as, you know, as the good shepherd, right? And we've, go ahead. Oh, man, I've got so much here. But you were talking about Isaiah 49. Yeah. And here to bring Jacob back to him. Remember, you had that dream. Yeah. And so, okay, so, but it was about, um, I've spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Um, and, and yet surely my just reward is with the Lord and with the work of my Lord. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him. There's a whole other thing about the Jacob generation. Mm, yeah. Hello, the Jacob generation, that's you. And mm. that's my daughters and that age, right? So anyway, all of, all of this stuff is wired, and this would probably carry into another show, but um, <laughs> the reality is, is that um, I think the most significant thing I see is, uh, <clears throat> is came from this dream that I had, and I just want to make sure that people understand we don't live our life by the next, you know, dream, all right, that the Word of God is our foundation, and, yeah. and we, you know, we measure everything by that. Uh, and, but in this dream, um, I was, it was like I was at the Great Lakes. It wasn't an ocean, but it was on a huge body of water. It was wilderness. Mm-hmm. The sun was setting. A storm had, had just passed, and it was moving towards evening, but the sun was still up. And, and I'm looking out. I'm in a completely wilderness, isolated area, and I'm looking out. I knew intuitively that that if I could get to the water, that that contained everything that I would need. Okay, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It was all located. Just I just had to get into the water. So I moved in that direction, and what I didn't realize is that the waters had receded, and um, and as I got out there, I sank waist deep in this mud. <clears throat> I'm by myself. I can scream and yell, but there's nobody out there to hear me. Mm-hmm. And I am just, I'm stuck. I can't move. And there I am. And then I felt like there was a presence there. I didn't, you know, it was just like, so I turned around to look. And as I turned around to look, I looked up. There was a scene that looked like right out of Revelations 1, where it was Jesus on the white horse. And clouds obscured his face. I couldn't see his face because clouds were slowly moving in front of him and around him. And I knew that the clouds were angels. 
all right? Because the word of God said he's going to return. He's going to come with angels, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I was seeing. And um, and I, I was just almost like frozen, literally, physically. And now mentally I am stuck. And the thing that, that stood out to me above everything else when I, when I saw Jesus up there was the reality of there's a, there's a massive white stallion and he's hanging in midair. I mean, he's moving across, you know, and, and the Bible says, extol him who rides on the wings of the wind. So mm. here is Jesus riding on the wings of the wind. And, and the thing that hit my spirit was absolute authority. Whoever mm. is on that horse holds my next breath in his hands. And if he decides it's over, the democratic process breaks down because mm -hmm. his authority is absolute. Yeah. All right. So mm -hmm. um, what that began to do is what Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There, there mm -hmm. was not just an awesome reverence. There was like, we just don't know who we're dealing with. Okay. Because we don't deal in absolutes. Right. I mean, Absolute cold is what, 364 degrees below zero? I mean, there's still warmth in 17 below zero? I, yeah. <laughs> we just don't deal yeah. with absolutes. And so when we started encountering heaven, I always wondered why when, when guys had these angelic visitations or, or God, they always ended up on their face. Well, there's a reason for it because... <clears throat> of the weightiness of what comes with them. So uh, I think one of the reasons why God is uh, so emphasizing some of these things about authenticity, about, you know, Philippians 2, about all these things, because these are character issues. And if, and if we can cultivate and develop these things in our life, uh, then we will we'll be able to steward what he's going to do. So when in this dream, when I saw Jesus, the next moment, I'm out of the mud and I'm on, kind of on the rocks. I mean, there was like a rock bed there, and, I'm, mm -hmm. and there is a person standing probably not more than maybe three or four feet in front of me, and he's staring at me. And he, he looks like a shepherd. I mean, he's got this brown kind of simple tunic on, and and he looks normal. He looks like a dude. I mean, he looked like my car mechanic. I think <laughs> the angel had buck teeth, you know, <laughs> just weird. So here's this very normal-looking guy who looks like he needs dental work. Yeah. So he's looking at me, and he says, look for the woman whose face and he stopped, and I can see him trying to process, how am I going to communicate this to him? And then he said again, look for the woman whose face, and he does this weird thing with his hand, whose face is, and I'm thinking, what happened to that poor woman's face? Yeah. What oh my gosh. Well, I mean, what are you going to do with that? So mm -hmm. from that time on, every woman that came into the church, you know. You're like, is that the woman? Are you there? <laughs> just staring at him? Is there something weird about your face? Yeah. Weird. Like, they're looking at us like, what the? Yeah. 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 So we're, we're paying attention to every woman that is, you know, 
where I'm camp and is this it? And so, I mean, this is two years later, we're back in, this was at the, on the Oregon coast, but two years later, we're back in Salt Lake City, one or two years. And, and uh, John Paul Jackson was uh, doing uh, some meetings uh, in our church and we had some of his guys out there. And so we ran that dream by because it's always been kind of a mystery to me. And so we ran it by him and asked him, see what you get. So he says, well, let me think about it. So he called us up at 8.30 in the morning. He says, I think I, think I know what it is. And we're like, what? What? Who's the woman? He said, the woman is the church. And mm. the, face of the church is in transition. The, the image of what she is going to be is, is undergoing a major change, and it's not recognizable right mm. now. So I think we are in a season where God is is restructuring the church, mm-hmm. okay? Well, also, it was a, you said it was sunset. Yeah, because it's an end-time mm-hmm. event. The sun mm-hmm. is setting on the Western civilization. We're quickly moving to a time where, I mean, the whole emphasis and the whole shift is going to, uh, to the Middle East, and there's going to be radical change coming. I mean, we just... So, but the important thing for us to understand is that God has already made provision for us and um, things are already in store. There are things in motion. They're already laid up. But the important thing for us is, you know, is to make the main thing the main thing. Yeah. Right. And not lose sight of of what is a priority with God in this time. Mm. So just, I mean... Obviously, you guys were a part of the Jesus movement, right? So now we're on the cusp of something else really awesome. We're seeing a lot of really cool stuff happening. Um, There's going to be some pretty profound like changes within the body of Christ, as you're saying. Has there been, were there things that you felt like maybe you're, weren't grasped back then that i mean because this is the why why i say this because i'm kind of phrasing it this way because i've talked to a lot of people from your generation who've said and we've talked about it a couple of times on this show as well but who have said man we all were like jesus come we don't need to do anything and um and and so as a result you know there there was all this great stuff happening and and that's not to say that it wasn't every single person from your generation obviously there were torch carriers you guys have definitely been some of those that have marched forward with what you've you've grabbed is there are there things especially for people in my generation who are just stoked that this is happening being like great yes this is good but also like are there cautionary tales are the things what would be your big message to people with what's happening now um so that we can carry this forward. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just answer it however you're kind of feeling. Well, you, you have a, an answer and I do too. So go. Okay. So <clears throat> I think first and foremost, whatever we behold, we become. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Paul said, you know, we behold in the mirror, the glory of the Lord, and we're transformed into that glory. So when you look in the mirror, what do you see? All right. And because that's very, very important because, um, whatever we see is what we become, right? And so uh, moving forward, I think maybe one of the things that we uh, lost sight of, I think, uh, 
over the years. It's just that, uh, you know, uh, we kind of got disconnected from our identity. And, and, um, and so, and that, and that's played out in some weird ways because in order to, because the emphasis has been on church growth. Okay. Especially here in, in the United States. And it's, and it's like so much of the science that went into um, building the mega churches, you know, and I'm not, I listen, anybody can be a critic, you know, so, um, and I'm, and I'm not a critic because I think some of these guys were actually called to that and yeah, uh, sure. used it in incredible ways. But on, on the same hand, what we also saw that if they're not careful, you know, you, you create this, this machine yeah. and then how are you going to keep this thing running? And so we saw the machine just tear families apart who were leaders, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. leaders having nervous breakdowns because they have these huge, massive, you know, 25,000 member churches on a weekend and, and they're trying to, you know, create you know, uh, a mechanism to keep this thing going. <clears throat> so uh, that, I guess if, if I was going to just sum it up in one word, <clears throat> I just think that for the generation coming up is um, not to belabor the point, but uh, you need to position yourself in such a way that you can hear God's strategy because God is, um, God it deals in specifics, and there's a certain way he wants to do things, and there's a certain time that he wants to do things. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll just share this really quick, and then I'll let Cindy talk. But <clears throat> um, the organization we were with were church planners. They had uh, um, targeted, I think it was uh, around Olympia, Washington. So um, they sent a couple uh, usually a young couple into this area, a young family, and and they would resource them for six months, you know, get them set up in a place to live, you know, equipment, chair, just everything to do church. And and then, you know, then it was up to them to go from there. So so one group came in, they, they hit it as hard as they knew how, utilizing all the tools and the resources that the organization had developed for church planning and all that stuff but the church plant failed and it was probably an investment of $25,000, $30,000. Okay. And so they sent in another couple after a while and that one failed. And so now they're into their third plant and this guy came in an understanding of what the history was. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm going to find out where God's moving. So he's, he and his wife and I think, and a small team that came with him for this church plant began to pray and ask God, where are you moving at in, in this region and in our city? And over a period of time, you know, it was just, it was, again, somewhat labor intensive. God began to speak. And the Lord said, I'm moving with kids. The nine to 13 year olds. Nine to 13 year olds. <clears throat> and so they harnessed all their resources and all their efforts and nine to 13 year old kids. And these kids started coming to Christ and they started bringing their moms and dads to church. In three or four years, I think the church was up around 1,100. All right. Wow. 
because God had a specific strategy for that region. Right. Okay. And so, you know, everybody who's listening to this, God, God has a strategy. He has a blueprint. He's and it, and it can't. I mean, it may be like some other places, but chances are it's going to be unique and tailored to your personality, to you know, to your, uh, you know, to your placement. And we're going to have to hear from him. Mm. My takeaway and word to the generation coming up, if we had anything to do, go back. Um, I heard it put very well. Someone said we abdicated our position. In other words, we gave it away. Mm. We were not present in the church. We were not present in government. We weren't present in the schools. We weren't present. You know, we went from uh, doing drugs to a God drug. And we just, it was all about the honeymoon with Jesus. And, you know, we saw miracles. We saw all kinds of things. And we learned uh, early on, uh, everything we learned was uh, sung in scripture. That's why we know so many scriptures. We sing them and the melody comes back. And so the word was put into song. And a lot of teachers, we had a lot of teachers, but we didn't go to college. We, We were told Jesus was coming back. I mean, it was the late great planet earth. It was, you know, all these books. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so we just thought, well, Jesus is coming back. What's the point of yeah. getting educated? What's mm-hmm. the point of, you know, any of that investing it's, in your future, in your future or <laughs> in the future of your world or of your children now in your grandchildren's <laughs> right. world. So we didn't do any of that stuff. And I remember, um, I think it was Francis Schaefer, Frankie Schaefer came to our church, Francis Schaefer's son, and he was kind of really in our face and it was in a good way. He said, you know, what we've done is we've taken these, these young people who are meant to be journalists. They're meant to be in the secular media. They're meant to be, you know, in, in all these places. And we have told them, you have to go to Christian school and you have to be always in the vein of Christianity. You got to be can, a preacher, a pastor, yeah, and so, missionary. As a result, they 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 were not present in in journalism. They were not present in media. They were not present in in any of these secular things. And and then it became a wild horse because Mm. there wasn't any truth from people that knew truth that could they could give truth into those arenas. And as a result, we left. We we didn't occupy until he comes. We didn't become uh, active and proactive at, at making sure that things didn't go awry, that strange fire, weird stuff, you know, all this. And I, I look back now and I wish someone had told me that. I wish mm-hmm. that someone had said, go to college. You know, I only know a handful of people that went to college and some of them went to uh, uh, one, one gal I know in particular, she went to Berkeley as a Christian. She went to Berkeley and yes. she got a degree. And I'm like, you know, wow, that's amazing. Um, but I wish that we had been, I wish we had been educated more. I wish we had taken responsibility for occupying and, and taking positions in government, in schools, in uh, colleges, in um, places where, where it's needed now. Because really, well, I mean, I'm out there in every kind of thing. Yeah, you see it all. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I did Words That Work. Well, he's got Mm -hmm. my book, Words That Work. 
Remember, we can't ever get it to come up. Words that work. Mm-hmm. I'm writing another one. This is on the why. Words that work is on the why and the language and stuff that God showed us to do at places like Burning Man. I'm writing another book on how. Mm-hmm. How awesome. do you do this? And what can you expect? And how can you form you know, outreach teams where you're going to be effective and you're not going to be run out of there? Because darkness is covering the earth and deep darkness is covering people. And we just have to be geared up for that. And so we have to be able to to be a, a whole lot more um, wise as serpents, you know, in the places that we go. Um, I just heard recently from someone that there was a pastor in Canada who went to um, who went to a, a library or something where a drag queen was reading sexual uh, material to children. And in Canada, he went into the library, a public library, and was making basically a a stand saying, this is not acceptable. You know, you you can't do this kind of thing. And uh, they ran him out of the library, the pastor, they ran the pastor out of the library. And within a few hours, Uh, The police were at his door and they apprehended him and took him to jail. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen in America, but I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. So we have to be careful how we approach. These are spirit. It is a spirit war. Mm -hmm. You know, it's darkness against light. And in order for us to be effective, Jesus was extremely skilled at understanding to hear the voice of the father. He knew exactly what to say and what not to say. And when he was in the presence of whoever, he had the words that God, he only did what he saw the father do. He only said what he heard the father say. And if we can just learn to do that, Mm -hmm. then we'll have a whole lot more effectiveness because we carry light on the inside of us. So everywhere we show up, God shows up. And, um, and it, it changes the atmosphere. Yeah. And Tim, that's like what you were saying with being positioning yourself to hear God's strategy, you know, and I just, I, I, I really, I think this is just a very important thing. Like I, I've been writing everything you guys have been saying down. I, I just, I think it's so important for us younger people to not like to really listen to what your generation is saying in regards to this, because you guys aren't the only ones saying this. Um, It's just like, look, I by all, it's not, it's not like we're being a wet, you know, it's not like you're being a wet blanket and saying like, no, you know, like by all means, serve the Jesus wave. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now back to the show. You know, but be mindful and, and don't make the Jesus wave greater than Jesus himself of just yeah. like where we're so we, we where you can work as crazy as it sounds. You can work revival up to be an idol where it's like, you're more focused on God moving yeah. than you are beholding his face, you know? Yeah. And um, man, like that's my heart's cry is, is, is like, don't, don't forsake the, the author of all of this for, for the, the you know, his move or, or whatever he's doing. I think it's so, so important. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, don't let anything get in the way of the love of God. 
your your ambition, your anxiety, your whatever. You know, it's like you can't you can't let these things get ahead of, get in the way of the love of God. And if God chooses to have you raise up someone else, and He wants to speak through them, but He wants you to train them, you got to be okay with that. Hmm. That you're not the main guy, you're not the main one, you're not the main boy. So, um, and and a lot of these things, you know, we didn't, we haven't seen the Jesus movie. Hmm. We figured we loved it. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen it yet. So, um, but I'm sure yeah, someone was asking about it. Yeah. 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 But I'm sure that it's pretty, pretty accurate from what we can understand from people who have seen it. Yeah, that's what I've, that's what I've been hearing too from people who lived it. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, there's like you know, because it it kind of depicts Lonnie Frisbee as um, kind of making uh, this the spectacle of things. Uh, there's, there's conflicting people are like, oh, well, there's another side of the story, and of course, I mean, anytime you tell a story like that, you're gonna. But for me, the message was more important of like exactly what we're talking about of making Jesus the focus and everything else that he does as a result of making him the focus. Great. Awesome. Love it. Um, And so I, I thought it was really well done. I thought it was really moving, um, you know, uh, but yeah, that's, I, I wasn't there, but I hear from people that were there, the guy who's asking was there as well. So, you know, like wow. he he went through the Jesus movement as well. Um, so, uh, yeah. Tim said he had something else to say. One last thing. Okay. Yeah. Hey, man. Go for it. We just fall in to, for landing. <clears throat> is yeah. that um, the things that we have? I'm talking about whether it's Cindy and I or other leaders. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think the emphasis in our day and age is obviously we're in the information age. So it's it's like so much dependency upon the distribution of information. Okay. I mean, you can go online and you can hear the best teaching. Uh, I mean, there, there are so many guys out there whose voice is out there and we all benefit from it. But, you know, I felt like um, this, this was, you know, a while ago, but not a long time ago, but I was up late one night, couldn't sleep. And so I pulled a book out of my uh, library that had been in there probably for 25 years. And I just, I never read it. And for whatever reason, it was kind of a knee jerk. I just pulled it out and it was by Kenneth E. Hagen and it was called understanding the anointing. And so I thought, Hmm. So I started reading it. And I mean, I was captivated as I'm going through this, it's getting early into the morning. And I ran across this statement that he made. He said, um, the anointing gifts and the anointings, are transferred through association, okay? And when I, when I read that, it, it's like a light went on, is that God has designed his house as a family, all right? And that relationship is the key to transference. And so if, you know, Proverbs says, if you want to be wise, hang out with wise people, mm-hmm. right? Because... Mm-hmm. These things are transferred through association. And he said, if, if you ever saw Catherine Coleman minister, he said, you saw her sister and brother-in-law because her brother-in-law operated in the same authority, anointing, and power that Catherine Coleman did. And she was the administrator for their ministry. She was exposed meeting after meeting after meeting. And so whatever was working on and through him, 
was transferred through her by her association and her serving the vision of somebody else. And so my encouragement is to everybody is that um, information has its place. We need to access it. We need to do this. But get yourself in the presence of people who have something that seems to resonate with where you're at in your life and resonates with what God is saying to you. And because I hate to use the word, but synergy is a real thing. And um, I've just seen the power and the fruit come out of committed relationships Mm -hmm. that are moving in the same direction and, and who are determined. Okay. I mean, there's, there is a Holy ghost resolve that rises up on the inside of us. And so, uh, so many of the things that I think will be, uh, will be keys for us to open up doors are in relationship to, to other people. They, they hold the key and it's, and it's up to us to take, you know, take the initiative to do whatever. I mean, when, when we start experiencing these things uh, in Oregon, I mean, we, we immediately, uh, we start searching and trying to find somebody else who's talking about it. Listen, I'm not saying you need to do this, but we ran up credit cards and everything. I mean, we just couldn't afford to get out to North Carolina. You know, we were just, so we just run up the credit cards, but we got into the, into these places where we could not only get definition for what was going on, but there was increased impartation. Mm -hmm. And so then we would, then we would do everything in our power, beg, borrow, steal to get these people out to our churches. I mean, we had international ministries showing up in Reedsport, Oregon, for heaven's sakes, a town of 4,000 people that were boarding up. Yeah. Wow. Dinky. Yeah. So anyway, man. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, when it sounds like too, uh, you know, with uh, what you were describing with Catherine Kuhlman is it was like, it wasn't the Catherine Kuhlman show and she recognized that, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the important thing is like, yeah, you can have an anointing to do something, but is it what you're saying is the more people you bring into it to, to partner in that with meaningful relationships that the, yeah. the longer it thrives, that's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, right? I think- I think that's I think that's the key. I just yeah. I think it's just so important because I noticed, at, at least in our experience, that every time relationships went south, then it's like God packed up and moved on. Yeah. Right. And um, because we were a part of some, you know, periodically, some very powerful moves. Okay. And um, and I mean, one time there were three, you know, preeminent voices in what we call the Holy Ghost renewal. And uh, and there came a point where I think a discussion took place on who was going to actually uh, give leadership to the thing, and because it had picked up so much momentum and was so influential, and it seemed like the moment they entered into the dialogue on who's going to be the prophet for the movement, you know, it, it just it came to an end. Yeah. And so um, so relationships are key, and um, well, there's no room really for for jealousy or, or strife or envy or any of that stuff. It's like, you know what? You're you and God's going to use you as you. So you don't have to copy or try and be something. And my feeling of course, has always been, I'm, I'm out in the world and I'm looking around going, what have we done? Hmm. What have we done? 
Yeah. You know, we've allowed, we have, we have shut these people out and put our finger in their face. And you've heard me say this, you know, but we, we've, we've told them you're not worth it. You know, you're in sin. We've tried to be Holy Spirit junior to them and, and shame them into some sort of a transformation. Mm-hmm. And instead God was like, I just want them to come eat at my table. And that way they're going to want it. They're going to, they're going to see I'm the bread of life and that it's sweet and it's good. And they're going to want to, to know who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I had to repent. I, I just did a workshop down in Austin and I told him, listen, I wouldn't have even come to Jesus if I had been preaching to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I was just so dogmatic about the way that I thought God ought to show up or what they needed to hear. And, and I wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit at all. Mm-hmm. I was just going by learned behavior and formats and things that we did. And, and I, I, God had to teach me. He, he literally said, you know, your ways are not my ways. Mm-hmm. This is when I'm in, out at Burning Man with a bunch of crazy people out there, including myself. I mean, I was just crazy in another way. I was going to say, it takes one to know one, you know. I know, so. right? <laughs> true, yeah. And he said, you know, you need to learn my ways and you need to hear my voice and you need to say things like I say them and when I say them. And I, I went through a real huge, I had to be probably deprogrammed in order to be re, re-taught. Yeah, I get really. that. Um, and so, you know, that's another thing for this, for this move of God. We need to let God be God. He just knows that he is anyway. And most of the time pastors, you know, cause they have churches and they have responsibilities and they have bills and debt and all that. You can't work this up. You can't, you can't do anything to make this happen. The only thing you can do is partner with God and allow God to be God. And he's going to do things differently with this move than he did with the Jesus movement. Um, There'll be probably things that will see similarities, but for the most part, um, you know, he's going to do things differently. He's going to do things that we haven't seen. You know, um, I mean, people are quoting, you know, Habakkuk 1, 5. Well, I was too, um, about look among the nations and see, I'm going to do something in your day that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. And um, had to do with a wicked leadership being in place if you read on down. But I'm like, you know, God, he's not bound by wicked leadership. He's not bound by anything. He can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, to anyone he wants. And, you know, we know that there's going to be a huge uh, awakening among the homeless, about among the LGBTQ, about among the kids, the children, the new age, you know, the creatives, the prodigals, you name it. I mean, they're just, it's like, we just need to let him. And, and, and if he wants to take the church, <laughs> this would be my, this is, we've never had a big old church. So thank God for that, I guess, in some mm-hmm. ways, right? I probably mm-hmm. ran them all off before it could get big. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I'm pretty much true. But um, mm. but I would say let him have it. Mm. Let him have it. Let him do it. Let him do what he wants to do. Mm. Um, and the more that we just give God the praise and the glory and love him for whatever he's doing, um, the more presence I think will show up. And it'll set mm. people free. Yeah, come on. Um, and so. 
you know, and yeah. we probably one of our favorite churches besides the one in Reedsport was in Salt Lake, the last one we had, because it was an inner city church and we had every kind of thing in there. Okay. Nice. And it was fun and people felt safe coming in there and they had a safe place and they weren't all cleaned up. Yeah. They were just coming in and God was doing wonderful things in there, you know. What do you yeah. like about? Well, we had cross dressers. <laughs> we had, um, I, I mean, I, I could go through a litany of humanity that came through our doors. And mm -hmm. I can remember one Sunday morning, a couple came in and they looked normal. I mean, they were like, oh my God, I think, I think they're together, you know? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm doing everything in my power, you know, to, and, and uh, I mean, they, they walked in and he took a tight hold on his kids' hands. And, and anyway, they, I think they made it through two or three songs and then they made their exodus. They're like, now nah, we're good. Yeah, this is, yeah. Uh, this is not going to fit. But I mean, but, you know, we watch God do some incredible things in the life of people. That's this, we, we took the things that we learned in Reedsport and redefined them for Salt Lake City. And um, it was amazing what began mm -hmm. there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We saw a continuation. So, Tim, yeah. they ask him, Do you prayer walk your neighborhood? And he goes, No, I prayer run it. <laughs> the church was. It's not, in fact, it was in a part of Salt Lake City where the cops turned a corner, come into that area. They'd unbuckle their, their sidearms. Wow. So it's a rough, rough yeah, area. I guess yeah. I just assumed, you know, Salt Lake City, you know, given the nature of like predominantly Mormon, I just, just always assumed, ah, oh, it's that. Yeah. Every, to worry about that there. Got its, yeah. Every city's got its weird Right. Bad spots. Yeah. But yeah. So we, uh, man, I can tell you things that happened in our church parking lot that wouldn't be conducive. But I mean, just <laughs> anyway, those people yeah. filtered into our church. We we had an opportunity to work with them for a period of time, and uh, so it was in. You know, here's kind of I guess if I had any takeaway from that whole thing was um, we were praying not for revival, but you know for a visitation. Hmm. And so all these weird people begin to come in. God is saying, are you really ready for what I'm getting ready to do? Because this is what's coming through your doors. And so, I mean, we, listen, we had some people. We had an agreement that um, I would take the homosexuals and he would take the lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And we had, and people were like, you can't bring them. They can't come into this church. I said, well, where would you rather them be? Yeah. Like, you know, you know so, they're some, hearing truth. Some of the people were, were concerned about, you know, it's just this whole, you know, perception of holiness and, and you know, all of that stuff. But, you know, the long short of it is, is that love always transforms its object. And so if we can just remember that, and I don't, Think we have to be, you know, like Camp Runamuck, Lucy Goosey on, you know, on sin or anything like that. Yeah. But I think the, the the thing that we learned was that, um, you know, we saw a very distinct process in Jesus' ministry. Okay, and and it's and it was a three step process. It says he received them, he spoke the kingdom to them, and he healed all their sick. All right, but the the most important thing was. 
he received that. Yeah. They felt received. They That's felt right. embraced. They felt like they had a place. Yeah, that was and the that, foot he led with. Yes. Yeah. And, and then he could talk to him about God's government. Mm-hmm. And and then once they understood God's government and the nature of what God was up to, then the power of God was released and everyone, everyone got healed. Mm. So anyway, yeah, that's the deal. Yeah. Well, I would love for you guys to pray. I, I, I just really want, I really want people to, to grab a hold of what you guys have been talking about and what you've been sharing. Like I, I really, that's like my heart's cry, especially when I'm hearing from people from your generation. Um, I just, I really respect the order of, of what God has set up. You know, like I said, I look at the top of the show, I view you guys as generals and um, I really want people to grab a hold of these marching orders, you know. So, go for okay. it. Pray. Yeah. You want to go? No, you go. Father, we thank you so much for <clears throat> your presence that's been here, Lord. I just thank you for everyone who's listening thank to this, you. God, and uh, for Elijah's streams and all their effort to make this available, Lord. And so, God, I'm asking that you would breathe into. Lord, this time that, God, there would not only be uh, an understanding or enlightenment or knowledge from information, but, God, that there would be a tangible impartation that produced the information, that that this would go beyond just kind of a head thing to to something that would, would light a fire on the inside of us. And, God, that we would, with all of our hearts, um, pursue what is a priority to you. And we just thank you, Lord, for giving us ears to hear, eyes to see. Lord, we declare, according to Psalm 16, the lines have fallen unto us in pleasant places. We have a goodly heritage. The Lord takes our reins in the night seasons, and in the night seasons, he also instructs us. So God, we just release and loose in Jesus' name, dreams, visions in the night seasons, Mm -hmm. night deposits, Lord, whatever's transferable from us, Lord, we, we want to see that communicated and imparted to the ones who are listening to the hungry hearts. So, mm-hmm. Lord, we just thank you in advance for awesome things, God, on the forefront of uh, in front of us. And we thank you, God, that we would be positioned, Lord, to stand complete in all the will of God for our life. I felt like I heard... Um... Some of the people right now, you feel like it's been the end. You feel like you've fallen or you've gotten to a place where you just don't even want to keep going or you just don't think there's anything ahead for you. And I heard what you think is the end is only the new beginning. It's just something getting ready to start. Mm -hmm. And all of this, it's almost like all of this stuff had to be washed away so that he could begin to put his plans and his thoughts in order and uh, move in that direction with your life right now. And it's almost like you didn't lose a thing and God isn't going to let you lose a thing. He's going to take whatever was, whatever you think might've been messed up or stolen or, or compromised or whatever. And he's going to use it for his good and for, for good for your life. So, um, I just wanted to encourage you about that um, because I just saw it. I saw new begin. It's a new start. It's a fresh start. It's right now. It's right now. It's a fresh start for you. So don't, don't give up and don't throw in the towel and don't think, you know, God's just going to throw it back. 
Um, so don't give, don't, don't throw your towel in. He'll just throw it back at you because you're not done. You're not finished. Um, and, um, and, and he's going to show himself to be very uh, faithful and strong. Um, I also saw, uh, uh, felt, or I heard the words um, abundance on purpose. Um, God was going to do abundant things. He's going to cause abundance to come your way on purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be something that will relieve you of your debt, of your, uh, of your stuff that you've um, been packing around and carrying around. It's going to be cut off you. And you're going to begin to see abundance coming your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's mind, body, soul, spirit, and, and financial every single way. Um, so get, get prepared, get ready for that. Cause it's going to come very quickly and very suddenly. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to restore you. That's what restoration does. It's a whole new, uh, it's a whole new season, a whole new time of things coming. So mm-hmm. that's what I heard when uh-huh. you were praying. <laughs> Amen. Thanks for having yeah. us on your show. Oh, absolutely. It's an absolute pleasure. I think you guys are great, you know, and I just love what you guys are about and, and just want to honor everything that you guys are doing and um, have shared. I just, uh, yeah, I just think it's really, really, really important. So for those of you who really felt stirred listening to this episode, I would encourage you to listen to it again um, and really take to heart what, Tim and Cindy shared. I think it's really important. So um, guys, how can people follow you? We only put Cindy's website. I wanted to put Tim, your website as well, because you have one as well. So tell people how they can follow you guys, uh, follow along what you guys are doing. Probably mine, because he doesn't know how to work his. <laughs> technically challenged. Oh. So people might actually I, have an administrator. I have someone who helps me. Right. Um, I, I have a website. It's timmcgill.org, just like cindymcgill.org. It's timmcgill.org. And uh, I think I've gotten two emails in three years. Mm. Yeah. You might get well, one now. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And make sure to get the, you know, the books on dreams, the one words at work. Uh, the next one will be um, uh, actual It'll be the practical parts of it, how to how to move fluently in, in the next season with what we're what we're coming up on, really. So awesome. um, and Tim's going to get his book out, pray that he gets his book out and um, and that, you know, because it, it's just it's like I remember Dutch Sheets. I think it was he said he wrote like one sentence. <laughs> he stopped for a year. I, I get that. I really you know? do. It's, it's like not easy to just write a book, but well, it's not, there's a lot of things like even just like creativity. Sometimes you can be so bogged down by the day. And then all of a sudden you're just like, ah, oh, do it tomorrow. I'm tired. I just yeah. want to sit and stare at the wall. <laughs> I know, right? I get it. Yeah. I really yeah. do. Have you started it, Tim? Um, no. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's all in here. You can yeah. technically have started. Yeah. It's all in here. I've gotten yeah. as far as the word preface. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> There we go. Okay. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. It's coming. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, guys, link is in the description to Cindy's book, Words That Work. Um, It'll take you to her website, but then on her website, you can also order her dreams book. Uh, You guys can follow along with what they're doing. All that good stuff. Thank you guys so much. This was awesome. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah. We love you guys. Yeah. We love you too. All right, everybody. That is our show. 
I hope that you're blessed. I know you're blessed. This was a slamming episode. This was a banger, as the kids say. So, um, God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow, Friday. We've got Christina Baker back. It's going to be a great time. So, uh, that's going to be at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, yeah. God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. 